Welcome to Album Clash, the podcast in which we take two albums that share a connection and pit them against each other inside the ring of death. Two albums enter, only one may leave. Metaphorically. This is Album Clash. Hello, this is Album Clash. Like a podcast played for the very first time. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> You've taken all the sweatiness and filthiness out of that song and yeah. turned it into something quite sweet. <laughs> Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm uh, feeling quite virginal. <laughs> and there it is again. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Album Clash, everyone. This is the second part in our live dance albums clash. I took us through Underworld's Everything, Everything a couple of weeks ago. Kev, what are you going through today? So I will take us through Orbital Live at Glastonbury, 1994 to 2004. And I'm sure we will fly through that album, just as we Mm -hmm. flew through Underworld a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's a really short album. It's like a punk album. Uh, before we get into that, though, and I'm sure you're all looking forward to it, it's Kev's pick for Video Killed the Radio Star. So indeed. Um, so a band that we've already spoken about on Can't Get You Out My Head, which is Yard Act. Mm. So we're looking at the video for the track 100% Endurance, starring David Thewlis. Oh, that's who it is. I kept thinking that guy looks loads like John Lydon, but I know it's not John Lydon. <laughs> <laughs> um, you might remember him as the fella who played the werewolf teacher in one of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, I think that was uh, Harry Potter and the trans-exclusion radical feminist. <laughs> Not suggesting David Tulis is a turf, by the way. <laughs> Just leaving that there. Um, I'm, I'm moving. Not being edited, that's staying in. No, no, I know it's going to stay in. I'm just going to move on from it. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially the video is David Hewlis is walking around a council estate somewhere in the, in the UK and is essentially acting as though he is the protagonist in the song mm. with then a twist at the end. Well, let's, should we talk about what a twist is? Yeah, go on. So the video, uh, the way it plays out, it's it, my initial reaction was it's it's like the complete opposite to the video to Just by Radiohead. Yes. So instead of a guy cowering on the floor, not wanting to tell people what's wrong, it's everyone's looking up. Because isn't one of the opening lines of the song about we've discovered, you know, life on other worlds? Basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's everyone's looking up as if that's the case. And he's lost his shoe. And he has lost his shoe, poor fella. And he's pissed himself as well. <laughs> I mean, he's not had a good night. <laughs> no, he's I not. Mean, but I suppose, like, it's a very different start to that song than. Uh, the start of five years. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Where, but I don't believe that Bowie pisses himself, <laughs> loses his shoe, <laughs> and wakes up on a bench. <laughs> anyway, so the twist at the end is they're all in a little model, and 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 they're all like, yeah, he gets picked up by by David Tulis, uh, like in Beetlejuice. Yes, it's yeah, like I liked I liked the ending. Mm, yeah, me too. It's clever. Uh, and it's a really good song as well. I like it. Well, well yeah, we've both, we've both professed our enjoyment for Yard Act. So, you know, it's a really good album. Check it out. And the video's, video's good. It is. It's got a... Uh, forgive me, because this is 
probably shorthand for my prejudice coming out somewhere, but the video has a very Shane Meadows feel I was about to, to say Shane Meadows. It does have <laughs> it does have a Shane Meadows thing about it. But that's good. Well, yeah, it is a good thing. I mean, it's not Paddy Constantine going, I've got you here. I've got you here. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that would be a fucking dark ending to the show <laughs> if he literally picked the fella up and did... Okay, <laughs> now what? Uh, I I now want to see that clip superimposed yeah. over the top of that video. So if if you don't know what we're we're referring to, Dead Man's Shoes, which is a dark old fucking, it's great, but it's, it's a brilliant it's film. It's so dark. Yeah, it, it is dark. Uh, we've talked about Dead Man's Shoes before, actually. I think we are, yeah, because um, because we did because um, the Arctic Monkeys, yeah, Paddy yeah, Constantine, with Paddy yeah. Constantine. Uh, so yes, go and see Dead Man's Shoes. It's really really good. Um, but so if you're um, in the UK, it's on. It's on all four for free. Yeah. So yeah. go and watch it because it's dead go good. Watch it. it is dead good. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, we're not talking about Shea Meadows films. Uh, well, we, we have been, but we shouldn't be. We should be talking about uh, Orbital Live at Glastonbury. No, we're not. Oh, we're no. not. Why we not, not, Kevin? Yet. Oh, go on then. So we are going to, again, befuddle, confound the listeners with another new feature. Bore. yeah bore unlikely bore so yeah we thought that one thing like obviously we are album clash and there are going to be albums that we really enjoy or that we listen to that we can't really there aren't there isn't an obvious clash or we're never going to get around to doing them so we'd like to shine a light on something that we've been listening to doesn't matter if it's new or old that we think that you should check out so I am taking uh, the first step on our album of the pod feature. We'll come up with a better name for that. I like that. Okay, album of the pod then. Um, so it is the uh, release this year album by uh, Fantastic Negrito called White Jesus Black Problems. That's a great name for an album. <laughs> um, so Fantastic Negrito is a... American singer-songwriter, music spans kind of blues, R&B, roots music. He's won the past three Grammys uh, for Best Contemporary Blues Album. But yeah, you may not have heard of Fantastic Negrito, so I can't say his surname. I'll I'll have to hold my me, me hand up his actual proper name. Is he any relation to Marvelous Nakamba? <laughs> So he became inspired to teach himself how to play music after listening to Prince's album, Dirty Mind, and hearing that Prince was a self-taught musician. Nice. He learned to play music by sneaking into classrooms at the University of California, Berkeley, despite not being a student there. Get in. Yeah, he's, you'll do for me, pal. Uh, so I have not previously been acquainted with Fantastic Negrito, but uh, you have piqued my interest, sir. I'll be going to listen to that. So remind people what the album's called again. So the album is the fantastically named White Jesus Black Problems. Great stuff. All right, that is our album of the pod. Okay. See, it works. Yes, it does. You should be less harsh on yourself, mate. <laughs> okay, so... I suppose we should actually get to the album. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell, you sound like you're about to walk the green mile. (laughs) Walking the orbital mile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Kevin, Orbital, live at Glastonbury, go on. Okay, so Orbital themselves are obviously a British uh, electro duo consisting of the brothers Phil and Paul Hartnell. 
Uh, the name is taken from Greater London's Orbital Motorway, the M25. Oh, I didn't. I never knew that. That's a better name than if they'd called themselves M25. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were massive. They were there from the start of like rave, really. Yes. From the early days in sort of 87, 88. They released Chime in 89, which released, which got to number 17 in the UK chart. They got an appearance on Top of the Pops wearing anti-poll tax t-shirts. <laughs> Good on you, lads. So, they, you know, that was really successful. They released one of the most popular... The poll tax, it wasn't me. It was a fucking disaster. <laughs> no, very much not. <laughs> so much so that they've not done anything since 92 in, in, in relation to anything like that. Ooh, council tax jibes. Topical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, go on. So, you know, like the... They became like they were part of the growing the growing scene, and mm. so they released the track Halcyon, which is one of their most popular songs, um, in late '92. It was dedicated to their mother, who was addicted to the tranquilizer Halcyon, or better known as Triazolam, uh, for many years, and that's oh, where okay. the name came from. Also had a sample of Kirsty Hawkshaw um, from "It's a Fine Day," yes, a song by Opus Three. Opus Three, yes, indeed. And you know they they did various versions of this song, which mixed in Belinda Carlisle, Bon Jovi. You know, yeah, like, we'll get to that. We will get to it when we talk about that. But I think the most important thing, and kind of why I'm bringing up the background here, is they won the NME Award for Vibes Best Dance Act. I mean, great name. <laughs> That's so fucking NME. In '94, but it was that year's. Uh, appearance at Glastonbury, which brought them the most attention, and obviously is on this album itself. Mm. And you know, Q Magazine classed it as one of the top fifty gigs of all time, and included in two thousand two Orbital in their list of fifty bands to see before you die. And the thing, the thing is, is the the ninety four Glastonbury Festival is really important because before that. There had been coverage, but not a huge amount. Mm. Channel 4 really, really showed a lot more of the festival. And that's, wow, so that's saying something in and of itself. So that's when Glastow was still being shown on, on Channel 4, rather than mm-hmm. what it is now where the BBC have taken it. And we talked about this a few weeks back when we did Bowie. They have, much for the better, I might add, they have made it so much more accessible to people who aren't there. So that in itself is very interesting. Sorry. No, no, it's it's really it's really important. So the expanded coverage that year meant that their set got to a much bigger audience than they were ever likely to get mm. elsewhere, and it's regarded as like a really pivotal moment, and I suppose broke the doors open for the Chemical Brothers, for Fat Boy Slim, for yep. those who followed in their wake. Yeah. Underworld. Well, exactly, yeah. Who were able to kind of go to festivals and it be established that the, there was a dance act on, there was a dance tent. Provided that it was in a suitably hygienic state. <laughs> but like, you know, in, in 94, like this was this was unknown really at festivals. Yeah. So speaking to The Guardian in 2013 about the gig, Paul Hartnell said, I didn't know how much of an impact it would have. Being young myself, I just thought, it's about time. Of course, we should have Acid House at Glastonbury. It used to annoy me, and I just thought it should be happening. And, you know, it did. It, it As I say, it broke open the doors for dance acts at festivals. So much so the Orbital were one of the few electric acts to be uh, invited to play at Woodstock in 94. 
Oh, yes. Wow, yeah, there you go. So this is also that 94 performance. This is still just two years after the Castle Morton rave. Indeed. Which we spoke about a long time ago. We went through the Mondays. But it's, you know, this is, I guess, the real start, if you like, then, of that music entering the mainstream. Yeah. Well, because you, well, you think think around this time. I mean, I can't remember exactly, but Leah Betts happens yeah. around this time. I think it was around about ninety four. Yeah, yeah. So you know, this is this is like the point where the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act comes in to deal with raves. It's the the height of the of the fear campaign around mm-hmm. um, ecstasy and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, the, this is the point where dance music could have been forced underground or forced to stay mm. underground but yeah. it doesn't happen because of things like this and getting the coverage and people going do you know what i want to see this sort of thing that's really interesting that and i and i entirely agree and i think it's it's quite therefore quite apt so orbital became like the chemical brothers they became one of the acts through the 90s and beyond that were and remained synonymous with the festival for, for for many people. They've had several appearances as as this album shows. So I think the choice to do a retrospective in inverted commas documentary compilation compendium taken from several of those performances over a period of time. It's really quite a good one and quite quite a, an important one actually than just say We'll stick that one performance from '94 on there mm-hmm. because, yeah, you can. I had never, I hadn't appreciated that before, and I'd never thought of it in those terms. But you, you're quite right. This is a really pivotal point for this type of music. Yeah. So that's really the extent of the background that I'm going to go into on this. Because well, got... an, an actually interesting background section, Kev. Fair play. That's a long time <laughs> since I've done one of those. So, suppose. <laughs> Okay, so Tim, um, when did you first come across this album? All right, so as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I was at one of these performances. You can probably somewhere hear my hooping, screaming, shouting voice on this album because the performance on the jazz stage, as I say, which is now the West Holt stage in 1999, I was at, and it was fucking great. And so as soon as this album was released in 2007, I jumped straight on it. How about you? Well, I think you said last week, first listen, yeah. Yeah, so first listen for me. um, So, yeah, I think I I managed to neglect to mention uh, when the album was released. So thank you for that. It was released um, on June the 14th, 2007, as a compilation of all these really important performances that they did. Doing a bang-up job here. Nice save. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, artwork? So the artwork's really interesting. It's kind of very similar to a Glastonbury poster, really. Well, yes, it is. I like it. So it's got that font that you see adorned across hippie shops all across the southwest of England. I've actually said it looks like a flyer for a low-rent festival somewhere like Shepton Mallet. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that about it. But it does have some um, some really good elements to it. So, so the Glastonbury Phonographic Society invites you to hear Orbital live at Glastonbury, 
five legendary performances hand-tooled into a a full-scale orbital experience of over two hours. (laughs) And minuscule of sound, hash brownies, people dressed as fairies, and travelling homeopaths. (laughs) So it is bringing the full Glastonbury experience in just the cover. It is indeed. Uh, I wonder if music has a memory. (laughs) Nice. Because I can tell you for a scientific fact that water sure as fucking hell doesn't. (laughs) Right, should we get into it? Yeah, but I think between the between the two, this is a much much more interesting cover. Definitely. Yeah, it is. It, It it very much so. No no contest. Okay. So we open with Walk Now, which is taken from that ninety-four, that legendary ninety-four performance. What do you think? So you got a nice bit of didgeridoo to start things off. Always good. Surprising. Yeah, indeed. Although not of that, not of that era, Glastonbury. Well, that's true. A fair point, actually. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of dreadlocks in that crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White boys with dreadlocks. Oh, yeah, exactly. The worst kind of dreadlocks. <laughs> ginger ones. I, do you know what? I had a, a a mate who was almost as ginger as you, Kev, and he he had dreadlocks in the late nineties. Ginger dreadlocks are not a good thing. Look, we are we are as far removed from the Rastafarian belief structure and everything like that as as it's possible to be because we can barely be in daylight <laughs> as cartman says uh gingers are vampires so less highly selassie more the vampire stat hey. <laughs> uh, right okay i mean this just uh, and it's a theme i'm going to come back to quite a lot this is just one massive acid house tastic rave isn't it You've got a huge beat. You've got nice tweaking acid synths. The crowd is absolutely going off underneath it all. Again, right from the off, you can feel that this is part of a live performance. And the other thing I'd say about it is, you mentioned it a few minutes ago about the importance and the influence this had on other acts that followed that became staples of the of the festival scene. The Chemical Brothers being chief among those. You can hear the influence that Orbital had on the chemicals on this track. This could almost be something off Exit Planet Dust. I, yeah, big fan. Okay. I'm guessing you're not. So this is going to be a theme. It starts off with quite a sinister, sinister sound. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying that. And then it just doesn't really go anywhere it's not that it's not that i don't like it it just kind of washes over me which i think if i'm in that field at that time i'm really enjoying that but again just listening to it it becomes i'm going to use ambient as like a kind of a shorthand for something that is just kind of background noise and unfortunately that's what it comes so like when the bass comes in in around five minutes it's a bit more interesting but I'm already thinking, fuck me, this is going to be a long listen. Wow. It, I, like, and my, I can, might, might I offer a hypothesis? And I'm, I'm going into this early, all right? Okay. We are in track one, and this is 138 minutes of album we've got to get through. Uh-huh. I think you've seen the length of the album, and before you've even pressed play, you've gone, oh, and so straight away you're off kilter, straight away you are coming at it with some form of, Prejudgment. That may well be true. 
I couldn't say one way or another. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the when I saw the the uh, first track length, I went fucking hell. I'm I'm strapping in here. It's but like I don't I don't think any and I'm going to say it a lot. I don't think anything here is bad. Like it's not that like it's two hours of shite. That I'm being in <laughs> that I'm being endure I'm having to endure. It's like this this track doesn't anger me nor enervate me. It's it's nice, but that's possibly my problem with it, is that it's fine, it's in the background, it's all nice sounds and everything like that, but I'm never fully engaged with it. I mean, you've clearly not listened to this as loudly as I did, uh, because uh, I, I would describe it as anything but nice and in the background. So I, I had it, so I've listened to it a few times, I've listened to it on headphones, I've listened to it through speakers, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's nothing like setting your store early, Kev, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I fear for how the next 15 tracks are going to go, because I thought that this is one that you'd be into, this track at least. Do you see what I mean about the Chemical Brothers influence? No, no, the, I can, the... I can see. Like that's the 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 thing about this is the there are bits that I like, and I suppose that's the thing with the with the tracks being as as long as they are. I mean, because they're not really tracks; they're more like kind of, and you know, Orbital are well known for they kind of just play it on the fly. They so it's not that it. I mean, they they're very good at what they do, but it. They're kind of just going with the mood, and this mm-hmm. this is very much slowly bringing you into the into the set kind of thing. I mean, ironically, so I'm going to bring Nobby McGee up here. Where we did Underworld last week, he ridiculously cited Pink Floyd as a predecessor to Underworld. That comparison would make far more sense if it was Orbital he was talking about. Yeah, so I, I get that because like something like Shine On You Crazy Diamond gets. Mm-hmm. I mean that takes a fucking long time to <laughs> to get going and then get going again when it comes back in at the yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it the there are bits in it that I like. There are movements that I like, and I think it's that's how I've kind of thought of it. There are like in every one of these, there are things that I like, but there are also things that I don't like okay. or that I get bored with. All right, I can understand that. And I appreciate your uh, candidness. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, shall we move on to the 15 minute 44 seconds? Are we here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, first note fuck me, it's 14 minutes long. <laughs> no, it's 15 and, minutes well, yeah, and 44 and fi- seconds yeah. long. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'll let you speak because you you speak very eloquently about this, and I will com- I will come in with my view afterwards. Okay, okay. Well, so the first thing I'm going to say isn't eloquent. So around two minutes in, you get sort of an alarm siren sound, which is almost like a, a large vehicle reversing. And I've just said, I hope it's not the uh, toilet cleaning tractor again. <laughs> right, the beat is very much of its time. It's a very jungle-sounding beat. Mm-hmm. I quite like this, but I certainly don't love it, I have to say. So the vocal loops, do you know who they are by? Uh, I don't. It's Alison Goldfrapp. Ah, right. Yes, I thought I recognised the voice, but mm. I couldn't place it. She, so she's she's collaborated quite a few times w- with Orbital, and I think she sounds great on those loops. The problem is, I just want a lot more of her voice on this. Mm-hmm. I think this is one which doesn't go anywhere. 
I think the second half is a lot better than the first. It's got a mellow synth melody to it, which, again, is quite soothing. But 15 and a half minutes plus is too long. Uh, I like it. I don't love it. And it could be more than it is. How about you? So there are various nice movements to it. I think Alison... So as I said, I wasn't aware of whose voice it was. I think that Alison Goldfrapp's voice sounds really good on it. I could do with a lot more of that. It doesn't really make me want to get up and dance. That's the thing. It's, It's all very nice. And there are good elements about it, but I'm not blown away by it. And it's so much longer than it needs to be. I agree. I agree on this one. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on then to Attached, uh, which is the final track on this album from that 94 set. Mm -hmm. I really like this. I always have liked Attached. It's a lovely, mellow tune. There's those repetitive strings the dreamy synth part I just it lulls me into a sense of gentle relaxation now you might say well i'm listening to orbital i don't want gentle relaxation i don't want meditative it's not i don't describe it as ambient but you know i suspect you're going to say it drags on for too long uh, and there's very little variety to it there is very little variety to it but that's what i like about it here i find this a very very soothing tune i always have liked attached so again i'm i'm very much coming at it from the same point i think and i'll i'll hold my hand up that maybe my mindset was i was looking for something else i was looking for something closer to what we got from underworld Mm. so it's a perfectly nice bit of ambient electro it's not blowing my mind but it's not offensive either I just really want something to happen in this song. <laughs> okay. I'm not surprised to hear you say that. And whilst I don't agree, I can empathise with that view. I think, I think like, and I, I think I made this point in my notes a little bit later, that if you've gone with that vibe, then this is great because you kind of, there's bits you can come into and out of and everything like that, then you're really, you're into it and it goes on. So like, you're not losing that vibe, but if you're not, if you're not taken by it, then you are just stuck with it for a very long time. And it doesn't seem as though anything's happening. A, a very fair point, because I would say more than anything on this album, this is the same through the eight minute runtime and you're either into it or you're not. So, do you know what? I can't criticise you for that. I am into it. You're not taking a guinea as you have some done some things in the past, but it's sort of washing over you. I can understand that. Fine. Okay, let's move on. So we go into their 95 Glastonbury mm. set, and, and we start with Kind Trink Wasser. Indeed. Although, uh, it, it, so Kind Trink Wasser is from Snivelization, as was attached. So although we are from a different performance, there is quite a nice segue there in that they are... Uh, maintaining the continuity of the albums from which these tracks are taken. I like that. Yeah. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I, li- I like the fact that it's uh, chronological rather than mixing up the... Um... Yes, absolutely. If they if they were sticking a track from 94, then a stra- track from 2002, I'd be... I'd, I'd, no, I would not be having such a good time. Yeah, um, we, we are 
chronological or alphabetical, preferably both, <laughs> uh, with alphabetical first, then chronological. That's how we like to order our music. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So all very ambient and nice until about two and a half minutes in when the synths change and make me think it's about to all go off. But no, no, that's not happening. <laughs> we continue with very competent, perfectly fine ambient electro. I think you're being unduly harsh there. I think there's a real juxtaposition here of different influences and different sounds. You've got some electronic synth parts which have got a very, very craftwork sound to them. But you've also got that mid-90s electronic piano house sound, you know, the sort of thing that Paul Oakenfold or Carl Cox would be playing around about this time as they were getting big. So I think this starts to, you know, you can hear a difference to me here from what you were hearing from the 94 performance. This is only a year later, but the scene is starting to shift. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I can actually start to hear, all right, they're starting to bring in different elements here and I'm into it. I would also say there's some lovely whistle work from the crowd. Oh, yeah. There, there is some great whistle work. I, I, I would imagine uh, glow sticks. Ahoy. Yeah. If there's not, I'd be very disappointed. And, and yeah, then there's got to be quite a burly fella dressed as a, uh, as a fairy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And, and good, luck to, good luck to you, fella. Absolutely. You dress how you want, mate. If you want to wear those assless chaps, you feel free. (laughs) (laughs) I I see where you're coming from again. I do. I think you're being a bit glib, but, and I don't know if you've ever seen Orbital Live, but it's not like, they're not like an Underworld or a Chemical Brothers who, who want to get you up there and keep you there for 90 minutes. Oh, Orbital are going to, ease you in they are going to take you on a bit more of a a let's say so the chemical uh, inducement that orbital Mm -hmm. is best enjoyed to is quite different from the chemical inducement that underworld and the chemical brothers is best enjoyed to let's just leave it there yes i can see that and maybe like and i will i will hold my hand up that maybe it's slightly unfair well not unfair but you've you've put the two up against each other and I have a preference for a a particular type of sound and dance music than than the other. It's not that I dislike this. It's just that it doesn't speak to me or get me get me going as much as the other. No, type. I, I get that. And I did think when I chose these two, is it the right pairing? But few things. So I, I, as I said the other week, there are not many live albums by dance acts to choose from we've already did a chemicals album and i've always wanted to do underworld and orbital and it was sort of I don't know what other chance i'm going to get no to i mean so it's, that's, it's you know it's fair. and the connection is me i fucking said that already so it's, <laughs> so it's fair enough and the, like what i will say is that my feelings about this album are not it, I'm not going to continually saying the same thing. There are other things going on later on that I do I do enjoy. I, I think the audience is probably getting a little bit disappointed because I, I think you've built this up to be like when we went through the orb. And uh, no, and I'm not going to be anywhere near <laughs> as angry as the orb. Oh, okay. 
Oh, should we move on? Yeah, okay. So, impact, the earth is burning. I mean, (laughs) it is. Factually accurate statement. I mean, so much so that you can see uh, sunken Nazi vessels in German rivers. You can indeed, yeah. And Portugal is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) But no climate change. No. No, 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 no. To, to be abundantly clear, climate change is a thing. We are not climate deniers. We were no. merely mocking those who are. No, we are not like uh, Nigella's dad. No, indeed. Who has no scientific training whatsoever and knows fuck all. Well, he can't even name children properly. Well, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'm called Nigel. I've had a gale. Oh, Nigella. Sam. <laughs> Boxed it. Did you consider Tim Ella? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, no. (laughs) Right, so let's talk about impact. The earth is burning. And what do you... I'll let you go first. So uh, what I'll say is that it's not the best recording and the sound isn't great on it. But I think, like, so the first half of it, it's very much of the theme that I've had before, that it's perfectly fine, it's competent, grand but I'm a bit bored. But about halfway through, it then starts building into what I'm looking for, what I want. Like about halfway through, it's like, thank you, fucking God. Thank you. <laughs> this is what I want. Like a bit of fucking energy, a bit of fucking going off. Grand. So we're five songs in. We've had a lot of music. <laughs> we have, yeah. A lot of time has passed. And I'm finally getting what I what I enjoy. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. I'm pleased to hear that. And to a large extent, I agree. So I like the first half a lot more, actually, because I think it's, even the first half, it's dripping with with that acid house, early 90s rave sounds. You know, the, the acid tweaks, the descending discordant synth riffs, pumping bass, all that stuff. I really like that. But then you're right. For the second half, it just becomes a full-on spaced-out rave, and it, it is elevated to great heights because of that. I think there's a tiny little air of Jean-Michel Jarre to this towards the end in some of the synth sounds. Walk off. <laughs> so, for the listeners' benefit, I'd switch my mic off so I could have something quickly to eat. And I had to interject with food in my mouth to say, fuck off. Uh, Well, there you go. I agree that actually the the sound quality on this isn't fantastic. But what that allows you to get a sense of is, again, just how much the crowd is into it. Yeah, the crowd do really enjoy it. I think if it was a better quality, then you, you would pick up more on the music but I'd like as I say that's what I, that's what I wanted and I did I did really enjoy the second half of that all right okay so okay so then we go on to the final track of the 95 performance remind what do you think uh so it's got a nice segue from impact as uh, first thing I'd say you've got more acid house sounds you've got more huge beats more massive bass more of Tim having a great time listening to it I must be honest with you I think the proximity of the crowd noise make again makes me feel part of the experience as I said on the last track you can hear the crowd is absolutely going off and, 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 and vibing off what the band are doing 
So, 95 this is. Mm, 95 this is. Uh, <laughs> Didn't know Fozzy Bear was um, the glass assembly. <laughs> waka waka. I mean, it's Frank Oz, to be fair, yeah. Kev. So. <laughs> Massive left field vibes on this. Mm-hmm. So this is the same year leftism is released. And again, I talked earlier on about how you can hear how the Chemical Brothers were influenced by Orbital. On this, you can hear how Leftfield were influenced by Orbital as well. If you're going to fucking say that you were bored and you found it a little bit ambient and non-event, I'm going to fucking reach down the internet and rip your fucking vocal cords out because to me, this is great. This is huge. This is banging and I am loving it. Right. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Unfortunately for the listeners, this is going to be very disappointing. So, filthy opening, big beats, squelchy synths, all fucking good. Oh, good, good. So, <laughs> yeah. You roped out me again. I did. Like, so, yeah, I had I had a really nice time with Remind. Again, it's, it's much more redolent of what grabs me. It maybe goes on a little bit too long, but that's that's me maybe being a little bit knobby. But it's really good. I really enjoyed Remind. Good. I'm pleased to hear it. Should we move on then? Okay, yeah. So we go on to uh, a track that we've previously discussed when I was doing the, the introduction, which was Halcyon. Although it annoys me because the track is actually called Halcyon and on and on. And, in and the... Ariston. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But anyway. So um has a very mellow opening with a nice ethereal vocal. Which, as you said, is a sample from Opus 3's It's a Fine Day. So... Right, you're probably going to get really annoyed with this comment, but I'm going to say it because it's what I wrote down. Go on. I would definitely hear this in a vegan cafe. So there's nothing wrong with veganism. Neither Kevin nor I are vegans, so I I don't share Kevin's disdain for the music played in vegan cafes there. (laughs) I have frequented many a vegan cafe, and I'm pretty sure I've definitely heard this in a vegan cafe. Because it's very redolent of a certain type of music. It's it again. It's not that it's bad. It's that it's there. Wow. Yeah. It just. I wasn't excited by it at all. Whew. All right. So the first thing I'm going to say, Kevin, is that "Halcyon on the Non" is one of my favourite tracks from the '90s. All right. So you have just taken a shit on my pillow. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to leave that peanut filled fucking... Uh, uh, right. So this is the first of the tracks for which I actually was part of the experience. I was part of this audience. I was there. Uh, it was also featured on the soundtrack to Hackers. So again, I'm getting all sorts of Hackers flashbacks, which is all kinds of good. I think House on the Nine is fucking glorious. Again, the word that comes to, instantly to mind is euphoric. I can definitely feel the energy of the crowd. You know, you can practically smell the sweat evaporating off everyone at this point. And yet, and yet, for the first time on either album, I'm thinking, I prefer the studio version here. Because the thing I love about House Young and On is that it is an immersive experience. You can meditate to it. You can get lost in it. Hey, you can even hack the planet to it. (laughs) 
Exactly, with Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> but while this is a good rendition, and I know that when I heard it live, I was massively, massively into it. Come on. For that, for the first time, I feel that the live sound is more of a distraction than it is an enhancement. Interesting. And, yeah, I'd forgotten about the Bon Jovi Belinda Carlisle interlude, mm-hmm. which is a bit mad. And again, my recollection, having been there, was like it was loads of fun. But it takes me out of the song. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit. And I mean, that's unfortunately that is the problem and the difficulty with a live album is mm-hmm. that. So when we when we spoke about Queen, the you know the interlude bit. Oh, the fucking the the uh, the, the the improvised fucking freeform jazz yeah. bollocks. Yeah. Now, if you're banging the Queen, then that's that's great, and you're you're well into it and having a lovely time. Much like as you said, when when you saw this, when you heard the Bon Jovi and Belinda Carlisle come in, that you you like, yeah, this is this is great. It's really good fun. But that's because you're there. That's that's because you're at the at the live events, yeah. And you you're in you're absolutely into that moment. When you're listening to it at home, it doesn't have the same impact. Uh, no, it doesn't at all, uh, and it takes me out of the track. I, and as I said, I I was I was not enjoying this as much as I would want to. This is the moment that I look forward to because I fucking adore this track. But this. It, it just just something about that live sound when listening to it on an album that takes me out of it. And I I'll be honest, as soon as I finished listening to the album, I went straight back and listened to the version that's on the end of Orbital Two. I cannot agree in any way with what you said about the thing just washing over you, the thing just happening around you. Because I'm sorry, at fucking bollocks, this is a song to get lost in. This is a song to immerse yourself in because it sounds great when you do that. So you're full of shit there, but I don't think this is a very good version. No, no, that's not fair. It's not that I don't... I do think this is a good rendition. I just don't think it sounds good on the album. That's what I mean. Okay, fair enough. But you're still full of shit. Look, you're going to... Similar to when we did Bowie the other week, he played a set that I fucking really enjoyed and you were less into. And that was reflected by how you engaged with it i mean do you know what false equivalence means because okay (laughs) because that's not the point so the point i made about bowie is that it wasn't a glastonbury set and and that there were some really odd choices if you go to the orbital and they don't play halcyon and on you're fucking rioting i mean it's going to be a very mellow riot (laughs) yeah there's not going to be there's not going to be anything burning I mean, apart from a joystick. I will throw my doll on the floor. See, that's why the vegan cafe thing works. (laughs) You have made my point. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this doesn't just happen around you. This is... uh, No, no, no. (laughs) Okay. We are actually having a clash. (laughs) We're living to the um, USP. We are indeed. I don't think it's a fair comparison to talk about how I reacted to the Bowie album because my issue was with set list composition. Your issue here is with the music itself. 
So that's very different. No, I think you did have issue with with some of the. So, for example, yeah, he played a little wonder, which is a fucking shit show. No, but I was very excited by the fact that he played Station to Station, and you're like, there's two minutes of just train sounds, and like, yeah, because it's Station to Station, I'm all right with that. Do you see? Do you see the point? Like, so I understand. I, I, that... I do, and I'm also wondering when this became a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to the box. Yep, uh, as long as the box is big enough for us both to move on to. <laughs> it's a big box. It's a long box. <laughs> is it a cardboard box in, inside which is a little fish and a big fish? <laughs> you say it's a long box. It's only five and a half minutes long. No, I was I was being slightly unfair. I really like this, actually. Yep. It sounds like the opening music is some kind of spy thriller. It does. Well, so strangely, <clears throat> this is why they got the gig to do the theme tune to the dreadful Val Kilmer uh, led Saint. Oh, the Saint uh, remake. Uh, and I hate their version of the Saint theme tune. I have to say, but this is why they got that gig. This is a much, much better spy movie theme tune. Mm-hmm. It's got that sort of stylish European feel to it. It wouldn't feel out of place in a Bourne film, this. No, not not at all. Um, I mean, it doesn't have a balalaika, but it's kind of got that sound to mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah, yep. like um, I, I had a, I had a lovely time listening to this. Um, once the beat kicks in, it like I was prop- going to say, you got about two and a half, three minutes. You got a fucking huge beat comes in. And yeah, and I, I was banging to that. Like I had yeah. a, I had a lovely time. So yeah, I really Good. liked the box. Excellent. We have both enjoyed being on the box. Should we get off the box and go on to style? Let's go backpipe style. Yeah. So, what do you think? It's an odd old thing, isn't it? By and large, I am largely positive on this. I think the difficulty with it is that I'd have preferred hearing this if I was in front of a big old fucking light show. I think it's good, but I think that... Without that visual and like the the whole crowd thing going on as well, it's not the same. I think I think that there's there's really good things going on, but I don't quite get that full experience. That, okay. That's that's how I felt about it. Okay, uh, all right, fine. I can't put myself in those shoes because I was there when this was recorded. I remember the experience. I vividly remember the experience of this being played. So this is from Middle of Nowhere, which was released in 1999. That was the first, well, that was the first Orbital album I procured. And I did actually procure it (laughs) using money. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, I, I procure all music using money, Kevin. It was just... Yes, yes, we 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 have both <laughs> established that. Yeah. Established that we are against piracy. Mm. Um, so I can't divorce my memories of, and it's a long time ago. All right, it's nearly twenty-five years ago, but I can't divorce my memories of having been there, experienced it, because this was a, a highlight of that set for me. Because it was, as I say, the first album I bought of theirs. I love this tune. I remember it getting quite heavy rotation. Well, not heavy rotation. Mark and Lard played it a lot on their Radio 1 show. Uh, got a lot of airplay on MTV. I love the bagpipe style synth sound. I love the way it starts gently. And then by the end, it's just fucking huge. 
so for me, this brings back loads of memories. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the light show was fantastic. It's not going to make you feel any better. No, no. Like <laughs> so, so I think it kind of it does back up my point that I think what you've got going extra with it is that memory mm. that it gives. It it gives you yeah. It it takes you back to that time and place, and that's you know that's perfectly fine. Coming at it from just listening to the music, it's like there's loads of stuff that I read, but I feel like I'm missing something. And unfortunately, the thing that I'm missing is the actual live experience, maybe. And I'm kind of, yeah, okay, that I'm sort of pining for that. All right, understandable. So, I want to talk about influence again. So, again, you can hear massive craft work mm-hmm. influence in this track, but having spoken. In the earlier performances around how much you can hear the influence Orbital had on acts like the Chemical Brothers, here you can hear how that is paid forward because that fucking huge beat that comes in about halfway through this and the way this song ends, you can't tell me that they hadn't heard what the Chemicals (laughs) and your left fields and your underworlds had done with dance music and where they'd taken it to, and they hadn't said, all right, we'll have a bit of that, and we'll talk about it on a later track as, as well, actually. I, I, I like style, always have, and I think this is a fucking great version, so I'm having a fabulous time. Okay. So let us move on to the 2002 performance. Yeah, this is shit. I wasn't there for this. <laughs> <laughs> so the girl with the sun in her head. Yeah. What do you think? So... I, I, I mentioned when we went through Halcyon that, that while I should love it, I didn't love that because the live sound actually took me out of my enjoyment. Through style and definitely on this, I'm right back to enjoying the ambience mm-hmm. that the live sound creates, actually. This track in particular, well, it probably owes quite a bit to the Prodigy, Out of Space, Jericho, Things on Experience, in particular the way it sounds. So this is from Inside, which I think was 96, or it could have been, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, 96. I like it. So what I, what I will say is that the second, second side of this album, I'm much more engaged with because it's a lot heavier. It's a lot harder sounding. So I'm a bit more into it. So I liked The Girl With The Sun In Her Head. As you say, there's, there's prodigy sounds going on. Yeah, I had a, I had a perfectly good time listening to this. Good, I'm pleased. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better about the <laughs> about <laughs> Orbital at this stage. I'm pleased. All right, okay. <laughs> okay, let's go on to uh, Funny Break, which is uh, not a motorway service uh, station. Uh, nor is it a reflection on the injuries that I have recently sustained. No, you, uh, apparently they were not funny. No. <laughs> I mean, they objectively were funny, yes. I must say. <laughs> yes, yes, they were. Particularly how you... How I sustained it. Yeah. Shell, however, did not see the funny side. And no. understandably so. Because you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Funny Bray? So, it's perfectly good. Doesn't absolutely pull me in. It ends well and it grew into it, but it took its time to get there. I think that's my my biggest issue with it. The when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? The build was too slow. But what I will hold my hand up and say is that I think that is also related to by this point how much music that I've actually listened to by this point. 
So yeah, we are on track 11 of 16 by this point, and you've still got five fairly hefty tracks to get through as well. So I can understand that. I don't feel the same, although I can see why at nearly 10 minutes you're thinking, all right, come on. So uh, whilst I'm not in that mindset, I, again, can empathise with it. Mm-hmm. I spoke about them being influenced by Chemical Brothers when we went through style. This is one where I can hear the influence of Left Field. So this is from 2001, the All Together album. And I think you've got that sort of fucking huge dub B again, massive tweak in acid synth. So the likes of Left Field, the likes of Fatboy Slim even, I, I can hear them taking elements of those sounds and bringing it back into what they're doing. I think this is really good. I, I had a good time listening to it. It didn't drag on for me, but again, I'm more familiar with it than you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I am probably more predisposed to enjoy it. This is one where I think the comparison with Bowie playing station to station is a lot more valid. Okay. Okay. So we then move on to Belfast. Cheers. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think the energy, the beautiful vocals, the complex synths. Yeah, I had a fucking lovely time with Belfast. Yeah, so it's the closer from their debut. It's an all-time classic. It's fucking glorious. Again, whilst I wasn't at this performance, it takes me back to when I have seen Orbital and they play this because it's one of the reasons you go to see them. I want to be there when they play Belfast. I want to be immersing myself in that that sound, that that experience, that ambience. It's great. I have nothing more interesting to say about it, but other than I fucking love it. No, and at no point do we re- did we need to uh, refer to power showers or power shower <laughs> or dare <laughs> or like that one out of girls allowed talks about flyer. Apologies to anyone from Northern Ireland. <laughs> um, okay, so then we move on to Frenetic. Mm. What I will say straight away is that I really like the opening energy. It's really good. However, unfortunately, also contains one of the most annoying things possible when you go to watch any kind of live event, which is people going, woo, woo. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Fuck off. Agreed. But I I admire it in a way. (laughs) Is that worse than uh, the bollocks game? Uh, No, no, it's not. No, it isn't. I mean, it's annoying, but it's not as when you've got back to your bed at five o'clock in the morning and someone's going, bollocks. Obviously, fuck off. Yeah. Does that still happen? Because I've not been to a festival for for a, a long time now. Does that still happen at festivals? I presume so. People, Fucking there's hell. always a balance. Yeah, no, it's not as bad as the bollocks game. I'd also say that by 2002, were people still doing? I mean, clearly. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, but like the vocals are really good. I like the way it changes rounds. It's maybe a bit too long, but it's really good. It is really good. It starts in a way that you wouldn't immediately expect from an orbital performance. 
but it soon settles down into a, an absolute rave banger. I like the way that the vocals start quite, and I don't mean this as a criticism, quite conventionally. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got verse, chorus, some some lovely vocals. I, I don't know who it is that's singing, but they've got a lovely voice. But then by the end, they are cutting and splicing vocal loops and samples all over the show, and it's... It, as I said, it's a it's a proper banger. I think it finishes much more strongly than it starts, but that's not necessarily a criticism of the way it starts, if you know what I mean. No, I, I think you I think you're absolutely right there. Do you have any idea who the vocals of by the way by who, who sung the vocals by the way? Um, I don't. Hmm. One of life's mysteries. <laughs> well, you're not you're not going to um, share that with the audience. I don't. I don't know. I, I just said I don't know who sang the vocals. Oh right, sorry. I... What did you think I was just being a dick? No, I... <laughs> I'm not that contrary. No, what I thought you said was, um, "Do you know who sung the vocals?" And like, I did say that, yeah. I, but I was asking it as a question. No, and like, then I thought you were then gonna say, <laughs> "Like, no, 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 I don't know. I haven't been able to find out who." <laughs> okay. Uh, Kevin, what does regret mean? Satan, Satan, Satan. (laughs) Uh, So we move on to the final performance on this album. Uh, Yes, from uh, 2004, and that's a hell of a banger to to come in with. Yeah, so so this is the other song where I would say it's really clear to see how they've listened to what was happening. So this Satan was released, what, 96? Mm -hmm. Came out as a single? They've listened to what's going on, what's happening, and said, all right, we'll blend that back into what we're doing now. Because the beats, the break beats are massive, the bass lines are massive, st- but you've still got the orbital tweaking synths coming in and out. It's a proper grimy, dirty sound. It's fucking great. I love Satan. And this one has got added Kirk Hammett with guitar in it as well. Yeah, it's, it, it is really good. And I had a lovely time with this. This is, I think this is where I was... At my apogee, I'm I'm having a lovely time here because there's there's not been... giving away any spoilers for a few minutes time. <laughs> no, no, I mean I think because there's been a run of really high energy, yeah. big beats, big sounds, um, and that's that's what I, that's what I wanted. I, I think you've uh, spoken a lot more praise about this album than you uh, initially indicated you would, Kevin. So um, you know, I'm quite disappointed in you actually. No, I mean it. it I mean it's certainly no orb. <laughs> Which is a good album. <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I mean, go back and listen to our old episode because I got very frustrated with that album. Y- yes, go back and listen to the orb episode. Uh, all I'm going to say, Kevin, is you can't spell orbital without orb. I mean, it's, which is factually correct. You can't. Otherwise, it'd just be ital. I'm, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Have we done an album that's annoyed you as much as? And uh, I mean, Miss of the Near Future. Oh, I was about to say, came yes. very, very well. No, uh, did it annoy me as much? Yes, I think, I think very much. But it also annoyed you. I don't think we've done an album which polarized opinion between the two of us quite so much as uh, Adventures Beyond the Ultra World, because you also didn't really enjoy Miss of the Near Future. No, 
You enjoyed it more than I did, but not that much more no, than I did. And I absolutely hated the orb, and you were having a <laughs> lovely time. Yes, because it's a good album. Anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about the orb. We are talking about Satan. Yes, it's a fucking great version. And again, this is where I've said you can hear the crowd is absolutely going off, and it, we're back to this enhancing my experience again. I'm feeling like I'm part of the experience, or at least that I can envision myself being part of it, if you know what I mean. It's great. And we're not even needing people to go, whoop, whoop. <laughs> no. don't, don't even need no. that. Although the, the synths go, whoop, whoop, <laughs> just with loads of <laughs> reverb and echo. <laughs> okay. Um, we are nearly there, dear listeners. <laughs> we are. So our next track is Doctor Who. Mm. It is not a cover of the KL... Doctor Who! Hey! The TARDIS! <laughs> <laughs> it is not a cover of Doctor and the TARDIS, no. It takes its time to get going, but... Well, that's because they fuck up the start. <laughs> yeah. But, once they do, I mean, it does show, like, the sheer effectiveness of that original theme tune. Mm. That it, it is a belter. It is a belter. I mean, it start, you say it takes a while to get going. It does start with a lovely, nice bit of Peter Cushing, which, you know, is never a bad thing. No, you know, like, I'm I'm, I'm fine with a bit of Peter Cushing. I'm going to try and resist the temptation to make the uh, hackneyed old joke uh, with Peter Cushing. Uh, you've lost me. <laughs> okay. So I, I dream of a world where uh, Whoopi Goldberg married Peter Cushing. <laughs> Kev, not only is that staying in the show, that's going on Twitter, my friend. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's really funny. Wow, I can't believe you've never come across that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, so, it's a banging tune. The, the, I'm not entirely sure why Orbital felt the need to cover it. So it was on the Altogether from 2001. I like it. I think it's a good version of it. It just, it's a bit out of left field. Well, not left field, it's Orbital, but you know. And they're not performing on the left field either. <laughs> they're not performing on the left field because Billy Bragg's there instead. <laughs> and Webster. Webster was there last year. He was. I bet Billy Bragg was furious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not I'm not down on it, so to speak, this version. It's better than their version of the Saint theme. <laughs> I like it, and it's a banger. It's just, I don't think it's necessary on the 16-track album. I also think that if you're gonna if you're gonna have it, you really have Satan after it mm-hmm. rather than before it. Yep. I mean, I, I would imagine that it probably went off. Um, because is it around this point that there's the Russell Davis reboot? Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was thinking. So this is from 2004, and yeah, so it must have been around. If it's not, mm-hmm. if it's not David Tennant by this time, then Christopher Eccleston's probably knocking around with Billy Piper around about 2004. So yes, I would similarly imagine that that was possibly why they included it in the live set at this point. Although, as I say, the, their cover was recorded in 2001. So okay, and we. End the album with Chime. Yeah, we do. Okay, please. Um, I mean, what's there to say about Chime? So as you said, first released it in, in 89. They stuck a live version on the debut album in 91. It screams rave culture. It screams 
acid house right out of the speakers and I think it's a fucking triumph it's a classic tune it's nearly 11 minutes long or maybe over 11 minutes long I don't give a shit I think it's a great way to end a set I think it's a great way to end an album I'm all in I love Chime I always have and I think this is a boss version of it okay I will read you my notes from the first time I listened to it. Okay. So mixed well from the previous one. It's a really exciting opening. Two minutes in, I think it's well done, but I'm not blown away. I'm finding it a bit repetitive. Four minutes in, I'm quite bored now. Six minutes in, I'm not having a lovely time. Eight minutes in, I suppose the issue is, is if you go with the tune, this must be great, but if it hasn't got you, it's fucking interminable. I have not enjoyed myself and question whether this is some form of revenge by Tim. Okay. That was the first time. That was the first time. Okay, what about the second time? The second time? Yeah. I think I've been a bit harsh on this. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot more going on here than I possibly picked up on the first time. It's a lot heavier and much more akin to the stuff that I like. Actually, I'm having quite a nice time now. There you go. I can understand why people really like this. But if you come into it cold as a first listen, this is hard work. So were you not familiar with Chime before you heard the album? I think I'd heard it, but I hadn't really placed it. So when I heard it the first time I listened to the album through, I think I'd had, obviously, I'd listened to the whole album as an album. Mm. So I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, been, okay. I've been through a lot. You've, you've, you've already exceeded two hours by, your t- by the time you get to this yeah. point. So, all right. So... Here's an interesting little callback to our past. You will remember when we used to go to medication at, at mm-hmm. The Nation on a Wednesday night. So The Nation was where the famous club night cream was held. Uh, and Wednesday night was their student night, which they called medication. And there was quite a few rooms. It was a decent night, actually. Cheap yeah, to get in. Cheap it's bit, right. you know. When we went, and I, I do not mean this in a derisory way in, at all, but you would spend most, if not all, of your time in the indie room. Mm-hmm. I would spend a lot of time in the indie room too because you know it's boss indie disco is great but I would also go and explore some of the other rooms and spend quite a bit of time in a dance hall and I'd generally go around about the time of the night when I thought they were going to play Chime and other things because I'm mm-hmm. like I've, so I can't remember the first time I heard Chime but I remember it fr- and it might have it might, it might be when it was first released in 89 I don't know I just know that I've always always loved it and it is something to look forward to when I listen to Orbital. And as I said, it's a fucking triumph. So I'm really pleased you gave it another go and you reappraised it because it deserves that reappraisal because it's great. No, I completely agree with that. The, I think the problem with it is in relation to the to this album that if you are banging to Orbital, if you absolutely adore them, which which is quite clear from you speaking that you really, really do, then, like, this is the apogee of of their sound, that, like, you come into the crescendo. Like, if you're not so much into them and you've had nearly two hours' worth of this and you're very mixed on the stuff that you've heard, get into Chime. Like, certainly the first time I listened to the album, my patience had gone. Like, I'm like counting the fucking seconds till the song's ended. 
And that's not a good way to listen to any album. So yeah. I did want to come back to it. It's like you've managed to work your way through the whole of the mix grill and then someone shoves a chocolate fudge cake on your table right at the end and you're thinking, fucking hell, I'm not in the mood to take this now. I get that. No, well, it's, it, it's like the first time I read Crime and Punishment. Oh, fuck off, you've read Crime and Punishment. I have read Crime and Punishment. Of course I have. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a Russian Russian book. Of course I've read it. The, like I properly had to fucking work to finish that, and I did not enjoy finishing that book. Like I finished it because I wanted to finish the book, much like when I first read War and Peace. <laughs> it's a long old fucking book, and I didn't enjoy the ending because I was conscious that I just wanted it to be over. <laughs> and I think that's how I came to to those sort of first comments about Chime because I just wanted the album to end because I'd had enough. But I listened to it separately because I thought that it was unfair to... Because particularly from um, Belfast, like I've really enjoyed that run. So I need, so I knew I needed to go back and listen to Chime and give it a proper go. And I did. And there was a much more there than I initially gave to it. I stand by some of my comments from particularly stuff from the first side of the album. Okay. But I think I don't have the love of the artist that you do. No, and fine. that's why I made the kind of Bowie comparison that I had a lot more mm-hmm. goodwill towards it. And so I was willing to forgive stuff that you weren't you were less forgiving of. Fair enough. However, speaking of uh looking forward to the end. <laughs> I think some of our listeners may be in that yeah. position. Uh, so we are at the end of the album. Do you have any reviews to take us through? I mean, the internet is not great on this at all. So the, the NME, you know, they reviewed it and gave it a fairly decent review, but it was very NME. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> So, if they're set in the 90s with career-defining then, as with their recorded output, as the century drew to a close and we all obsessed over guitars again, their return in 2002 and 2004 was more predictable. As a result, the second disc suffers slightly. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think that the second disc is far better. I would say the second disc is more for the casual observer. I agree, it's better. Uh, So, I'm I'm not criticising... It or you, uh, but you've said it's more of what you want mm-hmm. when you come to a dance act, a live dance act. So anyway, yeah, okay. okay. But I, I disagree with the um, with the sentiment over the the performances in the twenty first century. I mean, it's the enemy, so they can fuck off. Well, I, I will finish their um, part of their review. So here's to Orbital. As much as part of the Glastonbury experience as wandering through the green fields at five in the morning out of your head, stumbling across lost vagueness and finding Keith Allen naked, mud wrestling with a wizard. Thanks for the memories. Fuck all the way off the enemy for citing Keith Allen alongside Orbital. Yeah. Yeah, so there we are. That's the end of the... Um... No more reviews? No, the, the internet is not great on this album. No, I found that. Should we do some Nobby? Yes, let's hear some Nobby. So, Robert Crisco, again, he hasn't reviewed this album, uh, but I do have his musings on Orbital 2 from 1993, if I may. Yes, please. Okay, he said about Orbital 2, Mood techno. It ripples, it swells, it buzzes, it whistles, it bleeps, it annoys, all on a bed of reliable rhythm. Problem is, you have to be in the mood already. Putting you there would be too egotistical, I guess. 
fuck off, Nobby. Although something tells me you probably don't disagree with him quite so much as I do. <laughs> I mean, morally, I disagree with him. <laughs> on principle. Yes, on general principle, I disagree with him. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> uh, I have nothing more on reviews. Okay, so I will go to Legacy. So the 2004 Glastonbury gigs pretty much is around their final, well, their initial final furlough kind of thing. That So they played Glastonbury, they played Tea in the Park, they played Oxygen and Wire Festival in Japan, did a Peel session in July 2004 and split up. I bet that was a tough Christmas dinner. Yeah. So Paul Hartnell continued to record music under his own name. So he did the the music for Wipeout Pure for the PSP. You may snigger, uh, and I haven't heard the soundtrack to Wipeout Pure. I had a PSP, but the soundtrack to Wipeout 2097 was fucking great. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, Wipeout was great. It was a great game, yeah. He also produced uh, Strength in Numbers by the music. Oh, really? I did yes. not know that. I didn't know that. I like Strength in Numbers. I like Strength in I like the music. Yes. Um, we might do them at some point. Definitely. But Phil Hartnell formed a new Electronica duo, Long Range with Nick Smith. Um, they released a couple of albums, didn't really do very much. They came back in 2008 to do a reform gig after... Uh, called 20 Years After Chime at the Big Chill Festival. They then played at Glastonbury. So at the um, in 2010, uh, to close their set, Matt Smith, who played uh, Doctor, Doctor Who, Who yeah. came on stage and performed with them for their cover of the Doctor Who theme. And they did various things. So they appeared at the opening ceremony of the uh, 2012 Paralympic Games and performed Where Is It Going? live with Stephen Hawking. Nice. Um, and then they split up again. They then re-formed re, uh, in 2017. And they released a new album called uh, Monsters Exist in 2018. Yeah, that was good. I like Monsters Exist. And they also, so most recently, composed and recorded the soundtrack for the Netflix comedy The Pentaverate, created by Mike Myers. Huh. And released an album called 30-something. So they are still kind of about. Fair play to them. Fair play to them indeed. Although you've just said 30-something. So I'm, no, I'm going to go back to shit 90s TV. Do you remember 30-something? It used to be... So it was a, <laughs> yes. Fucking hell, that was boring, wasn't it? I, I never watched it. I just remember it coming on and going, well, I've got no interest in this. I'm going to turn <laughs> it over. I am not 30-something. That's true. <laughs> yeah, fair I was 10-something. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. Although, like, weirdly, I watched Drop the Dead Donkey at that age. Which was good. Yeah, it was. It was good. It, I mean, it progressively got worse, but, you know. It, it did. Although, it, it very much did. And I, I think it got out-satired by Chris Morris, basically. Yeah. Once the day-to-day had come on to our well, screens... and brass-eyed. And brass-eyed. Brass well. There was no place for conventional satire anymore. Anyway, Chris Morris, very funny man. Yes. Uh, so, you talk about legacy. In many ways, the purpose of this album is to document Orbital's legacy. Orbital's legacy is, as you talked about in the background, is their influence on dance music at major rock festivals so to talk about legacy to me is to talk about the album if that makes sense well exactly because every music festival has a dance area now 
Mm-hmm. It's a proper part of the festival, whether it's Reading, whether it's Glastonbury, whether it's, you know, whether it's V, you know, like, which is... And you, you mentioned Creamfields. I said I was at All Points East last week. So there are specific dance festivals themselves, the, you know. And Orbital are one of the most instrumental acts in creating that. Yeah, they, as, as I said in, in the background, that they broke the doors open. Mm. And we wouldn't have such a varied output at festivals have they not proven that do you know what there's an audience for this at festivals very much so and i have nothing more to add beyond that no neither do i so and um, before we do our scores um what's your best song what's your worst song all right uh i'm gonna go worst song first and this was tough for me because i really like pretty much everything on here i don't think doctor who themes great and it's certainly in the wrong place uh, but I'll probably go, are we here? Even for me, it's too long. And I want to hear more of Alison Goldfrapp's lovely voice. The best song is obviously Chime. What else would it be? It's glorious. How about you? Okay, worst song, I am in complete concordance with you. That It's Are We Here? It's long. It's perfectly fine. But it's dull for me. Um, best song, I will say nice things about Remind. I will say nice things about the box and loads of stuff from Frenetic onwards. Um, I'm not going to go with Chime. I'm going to go with Satan. I know it's Johnny Obvious, but it's it's a belter. It is a belter, so fair enough. And listen, Chime is also Johnny Obvious, so, (laughs) you know, no criticism from me there. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Time to scoring then, I guess. So as is traditional, you will go first and then... And then bring us home. Okay. All right, so what do I think of Everything, Everything by Underworld? Um, An awful lot is the quick answer to that question. It, to me at least, brilliantly documents and captures the experience of an Underworld live performance, which is different from their studio output. You've got boundless energy right from the off, which never really dips. They play pure to bring you down, to force you to take a breath. But even that's got a great beat to it, and you just can't help but groove. There's not a weak track on it. It's the album I turn to more often than not if I want to listen to Underworld. As I said when I announced this clash a number of weeks ago, it showcases everything I love about the band. It takes me back to the experience of seeing them live. And it is, to me, one of my favourite live albums, full stop. So I'm scoring this high. Uh, It isn't perfect, but it is very very good so i'm going nine out of ten for everything everything wow i think it's fucking ace that's that's a big score it is a big score where are you going okay i think that it's generally a really good album and i have a soft spot for underworld there's a great energy to the album i think it's performed brilliantly i think there's some incredible high points i don't feel as warmly to it as you do but i think that certainly the way the second half of the album is an absolute fucking 
tour de force. So it's hard to score this. I'm going to come down with a seven and a half. I think it's a really good album. Maybe. No, actually, I'm going to rescore it because I'm thinking about it. The, the only thing that I really, I don't really enjoy about is cups. So I'm actually thinking about it. Seven and a half seems a bit low. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with an eight. I think it's a really solid, really good live album. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You sure? Eight? Yeah, that's where I'm going. Boom. All right. So Everything Everything gets 17. So Everything Everything does not score Everything Everything, but it scores nearly everything uh, at 17 out of 20. Orbital's got a tough ask to get to that level. Um, something tells me it's not going to, but Kev, where are you going to come down on Live at Glastonbury, 94 to 2004? So it's far too long. But <laughs> no... <laughs> The thing is, if you are banging to Orbital that this is absolutely what you want and you are having a fucking great time throughout it, if you're not banging to them as a listener who has heard their stuff but not is not as au fait with it as a hardcore fan, that this is not for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are some really good things about it. So it's not it's not utter shit. It's not not that I'm calling the Orb album utter shit, but that's something you that gave, I... You gave it three out of ten. So. Because, <laughs> because, it, because it's something I did not engage with at all, and this is... I I did engage with elements of yeah, this, and yeah. there were lots Quite of... Quite a few it, elements, I would say. Yes, and there were lots of elements of it that I could... Like, whilst I may not have enjoyed the whole ten minutes, there are movements within the music that I enjoyed, but there were lots of times where I was... I was not enjoying myself, particularly the first side. Like, that was a fucking hard work for me. So I feel harsh giving it this score, but I've got to, I've got to come down where I come down. I think I'm going to, I'm going to come down on a six and a half. I think that it's not shit. Fuck off. It's not shit, but like, honestly, like that first half, it was honestly so much hard work to listen to the second half of the album. I really had to work. Like, and this should not be work. Okay, six and a half. Fine. As I said, I don't agree with your views, but I can empathise with them in places. Six and a half. So it can't win. I mean, it wasn't going to anyway. So I'm not going to score it as a nine out of ten. But I'm going to score it higher than a six and a half. I'll tell you that now. What I like about this album is that, as we have said a few times, it does document their or a significant part of their career. And it documents both the influence they had on their contemporaries, as well as the influence that they took from those same people. And that is very rare in a live album. And so it is is one of the things that intrigued me about it, and I thought it'd be good for us to go through. I agree with what you've said. This is not an album for people who've never listened to Orbital before because it is over two hours long. Now, I wouldn't describe myself by any stretch as a hardcore Orbital fan, but certainly I have a lot more familiarity with and affinity with them than than you do. So, you know, your point there is very much taken. There are very few low points on this for me. It's a different listening experience to Everything Everything because Orbital are a very different live band to Underworld 
so I agree with you that that, that what is disc two on the CD release, um, they need to release this on vinyl, by the way, because I'm buying it, certainly, if they do. What is disc two is the stronger. You've got things like Belfast, like, as you said, Satan, like Frenetic, and like Chime, which are fucking wonderful. Halcyon is a disappointment for me. I should love it, but just something about the way they've captured that performance, I don't. I'm rambling a bit, as I um, want to do. Where am I going? And it's it's immaterial, because it's not going to win. It's not getting nine. Is it worth an eight? I think it is worth an eight, because of the importance of Orbital as a live act, as we've talked about, and the influence they've had on what is now popular culture, which I know you don't take necessarily into account as much when you score, but I I have done in the past, and I think it's only fair that I do now. So yes, I'm going to give Orbital live at Glastonbury, 1994 to 2004, 8 out of 10. So it only scores 14.5, so it's quite comfortably beaten by everything, everything, but I think it's worthy of that score. No, fair enough. And like, yeah, as you say, that I we've discussed our scoring, our means of scoring previously. And yeah, you try and take into into account the cultural import or impact of it. I, I tend to score it on as an album. Yeah, fair enough. You know. All right. So congratulations to Underworld. You have won this album clash. So uh, yeah, there you go. What are we doing next, Kev? Are we staying with live or are we doing something different? Okay, we are going to stay on the live theme. Okay. And I had a long old think about this. So I had lots of people that I thought of and lots of live albums I considered. But I have to thank you that you took us out of our white fellas with guitars <laughs> ghetto. Into white fellas with keyboards. That we had got into. But because of because of that, you decided to go down dance music. That's a genre that you introduced me to. So to pass on the the compliment, I've decided to go to a genre that I introduced you to. So we're going into soul. <laughs> so the album that you will be taking us through is Soul Brother Number One, Mr. James Brown, <laughs> live at the Apollo, nineteen sixty-three. Can I have a guess of what this is going to be? Go on. Is this Otis Redding? It fucking is. Live in Europe, Otis Redding, nineteen sixty-seven. <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. I mean, two first listens for me. I haven't heard either album, uh, but oh, um... you're you're in for a fucking treat. Brilliant. Enjoy. I will do. I'm sure I will do. Looking forward to that. And I hope our audience also enjoy. Yeah, so that's where we're going next. Beforehand, however, Kevin, do you have anything for our Twitter outro? I so I have to I have to admit to the audience that do you know what? It has been a relentlessly awful week in the UK. <laughs> there has been so many horrible things go on. And I drew a blank on my uh, Twitter outro. So to pull the curtain back, I said to Tim, I've got nothing for Twitter this week. Do you have anything you can you can bring to the table? So, Tim, please. Okay. I do have something to bring to the table. 
So, you may be a member of the right-wing commentariat, and you may have reacted this week with panic and outrage at Emily Maitlis's McTaggart lecture at the Edinburgh International TV Festival, in which she called you out for being the charlatans and lickspittles that you are. You may have hastily written up your opinion pieces and angrily tweeted them out, explaining why she is wrong and you are right. On the other hand, you may be a member of left-wing Twitter, and you may have been similarly outraged by a prominent media figure using her platform to call these things out, for no other reason than you noticed it first. Either way, whilst on Twitter raging about what this media figure has said in their speech to colleagues, you can check out our Twitter feed, at Clash Album. If you like carefully curated quality content, you can check us out on Insta at Clash Album, or if you'd like to send me an email explaining why your opinion is the right and righteous opinion and why everyone else is wrong, you could send that email to albumclash at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Tim. That was an excellent fill-in for me, absolutely drawing a blank. The only thing I will additionally direct our audience to is the poetic stylings of the bard of Salford, Mr. Ryan Giggs. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Like a totem pole. A modern-day Keats. (laughs) Oh, great stuff. Uh, So as I always say, if you've liked what you listen to, tell your friends about it. Share the show, like, subscribe, leave ratings, leave reviews, all of that stuff. We'll be back in a couple of weeks where I will be taking us through live at the Apollo by the godfather of soul, James Brown. Until then, however, there are those who call me Tim. And I am the soul brother number two. (laughs) Called Gabe. (laughs) And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye.